0: Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick.
1: Southeast Radio. While famous for being the face of TV3's entertainment news for many years, Lorraine Keane has since replicated that success with her beauty product business. Lorraine joins us now to discuss her successes in the media and business worlds and why she is so passionate about International Women's Day. Lorraine, I'd like to find out where your interest in the media and, in particular, broadcasting came from.
0: Uh, Thanks, Carl. Lovely to be on with you. Okay, well, my background, I suppose, my family, um, my dad is musician. So entertainment was always part of my life growing up. And if I'm completely honest, I wanted to be a musician. I wanted to be a singer. And I went to piano lessons and got my voice trained. And that was always the route that I felt that I would go down. But actually... Funnily enough, my dad didn't encourage me, He in fact, discouraged me very strongly not to go into business. And I think it was probably because, well, I know it was probably because that um, the business is a very tough business to be in. And we joke about it now because I said, you know, for all, all of your protection of trying to stop me to get into the entertainment industry, I ended up getting into media. And that's certainly no walk in the park for women.
1: And of course, Expose was a fantastic platform for you along the way. What are your standout mm-hmm. moments and memories from that show?
0: I have so many memories of, of travelling to all parts of the world, you know, gate-crashing the Oscars, because um, <laughs> we didn't have any accreditation, <laughs> we would no passes for the red carpet, and even if we had, based on, you know, per capita Little Ireland, we would have been right down the back about 10 people deep, so... um, we did manage to use the, the kind of the Irish charm. I always say to my girls who are teenagers, smile and good manners <laughs> will get you through life. Um, now, I, now I make sure to throw in education, obviously, too. <laughs> but um, but yeah, we, we, we did. And, and then I was on the rooftop in New York with U2. I did an interview with Bono with the millions of, of people below when they were performing live on top of the MTV building in Times Square. Um, I was in... Uh, Ferrari, or was it Porsche? It was a sports car. Um, the reason I, I'd probably forgotten the, the make and model of the car is because the driver was, was Paul Newman. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I was honestly in a trance for the entire interview. I actually don't even know if I spoke, because when we, we finished the, um, the, the racing around the track and we got out, he was such a kind and, and gentle man, was such a very... Um, very low, very gentle voice that uh, that he said to me afterwards, would you like to do the interview again? And I said, <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> because I hadn't spoken a word, I was in shock and in awe of this Hollywood legend driving me around Mundello Park, yeah.
1: And of course to top all of that off, Expose was a ratings winner and so many people yeah. were surprised when you made the decision to leave the show. What oh, prompted yeah. you to make that decision?
0: Honestly, Carl, I was miserable and I felt it was going to start showing in my work. I still absolutely adored my work. I still absolutely adored the show and all of my exposing family because, you know, we we did it together, you know, from the very beginning and all of my TV3 family. But the problem was I was seeing my TV3 family more than I was seeing my actual family that I created with my husband. And I always said, and if you go back to any of the interviews that I did way, way back, I always said, you know, when the girls were little, Oh, the juggle is a struggle, but, you know, so far so good. I'm able to manage. And if if the scale tips in the wrong direction, then I will jump off. And um, and it did. It did. It just tipped in the wrong direction. It was, it was different. When I was an entertainment correspondent doing it on my own for nine years, I didn't work the weekends. And back then, I think we only had one or two music festivals a year. So even my weekends were my own. You know, I wasn't tipping into a Saturday and Sunday then because of Expose, I went back from my maternity leave having had my second child. My, my, um, first child was almost three and I had Romy and I went back after three months because Expose was launching and I was, you know, offered the show. I'd been banging on the door for years for an entertainment show because I knew there was an appetite for it. So finally got what I wanted. Um, but I had to come back to my maternity leave, um, at three months when Romy was three months old and, for those full two and a bit, two and a half years of her life, um, I just felt that um, my attention was, was too much in the other direction. And as much as I absolutely adore having a career, um, and that's why I've, I've, you know, continued to have a career in, in, in the same field as well as others, um, I just, I didn't want to regret not spending time with my babies. And I knew that I would, because you can't get that time back.
1: Lorraine, after being in the media spotlight for many years then, how did your life change when you left TV?
0: There's a lot of people in the business that that were in, Carl, that, you know, that when you have your own show or you have access to a news channel, you're handy, you know, you're handy to have. And I totally get that. So people, it was my naivety, people who I thought were my friends. And, you know, and it wasn't many, thank goodness. And they ended up, you know, just being kind of acquaintances. But I, I mixed it up because, I would be be a very friendly person, and I'd say I love people and and love the company of people and and the crack and all that. And I I probably just mixed it up. I thought that yeah that I was more important to some people than I actually was <laughs> because <I> was no so sign. <laughs> and once I didn't have once I didn't have a you know a, a TV3 badge or pass, um, I wasn't wasn't as important in their lives. And that's okay. It's it, it at, you know at the time, it's a bit of a rude awakening and um, it can be a bit, a bit tough to stomach. But in hindsight, you kind of think, well, at least I, I found out. Do you know what I mean? I found out in time and I didn't it didn't go on for too much longer. But generally, the support from people in the business has always been really, really good. Talk to me about your business. A hairdresser called Matt Malone, who's been in hairdressing for over 30 years, has always seeked out a detangler because he always felt there was never a good one on the market. And, and being a hairdresser himself, he knew that. And having his own salon, and myself and Matt go back probably 25 years. And um, he found what he felt was um, was something that, that you know, was worth developing. I tried it and was blown away, like absolutely blown away. And just felt, oh my God, this actually is magic. If only I'd had this when my girls were small. Because the tears every morning going to school, trying to, to brush their hair. And um, that experience was not a nice one. And so... I spoke to, to Matt, who said, you know, would you, would you like to come on board to promote it? And I said, actually, a bit like that. If anybody remembers the ads in the 80s, the, the Remington, I think it was Remington ads. I loved it so much, I bought the company. Um, it wasn't <laughs> exactly that, because <laughs> I couldn't have afforded it. But what I did was I, I invested in the company. So now um, there are three of us involved in the magic hairbrush. And I love having the, the opportunity to, you know, come up with different ideas and, and prints and colours and designs and sizes and styles. And, and, uh, and yeah, it's it's gone really, really well. I'm now working on a couple of new ideas. Again, things that I feel that aren't out there, you know, um, things that I'm looking for myself. And it's great to be able to develop them as well. So it's exciting. I love the business side of things.
1: And Lorraine, in terms of the magic hairbrush, how did you uh-huh. utilise your own profile to actually generate sales for that business?
0: Oh, it, it, it's it been hugely important actually and I'm very grateful that I have a profile for that reason and my followers are like friends on, on my Instagram because I would always, you know, with, with, with DM back and forth, I would always reply to any any messages that I get in uh, personally myself. So, uh, yeah, it, it's It's been amazing because I suppose my friends, my followers, would be into the same things as I am. So that has hugely helped. But also people in the business like yourself, you know, in media, radio, TV, print, and online have all been really supportive, you know, promoting it for me as well. And we recently launched our first Breast Cancer Ireland Magic Hairbrush, which I'm so proud of, and a minimum of 20% of the profits go directly to Breast Cancer Ireland research which is the charity that I've been working with for years and help them fundraise and like all charities over the last two years their fundraising has been paused so they need our help now more than ever and uh, and it's been great to be able to to have the Breast Cancer Ireland hairbrush and it's also been the support of retail businesses salons and clinics and pharmacies across the country and I think you know as much as social media and my channels, all of that can be, you know, a bit of a nuisance, a bit of a pain in the bum at times. And there's certainly a lot of negative sides to it. Uh, The positive is it is an opportunity to reach people like I would treat my channels like my own TV channels. Like I get up there and I chat on them. And it's it's actually easier because it's, um, it's, it's just me. Do you know what I mean? It's not... Uh, me as a presenter with uh, a team, a floor manager, camera crew, lighting, all of that, It's for me, it's much more real and um, I'm much more in touch. I, can, I feel like I can really connect with the followers that I have on my channels. So, it's, yeah, it's been hugely important, Carl.
1: And Lorraine, one setback that you did experience recently was that of a cyber attack. What happened oh. and what impact did it have on the business?
0: What happened to me was, they sent me an Instagram by private message and an email at the same time telling me that my, my last post had violated the advertising laws or something like that and it was going to be pulled down within 24 hours unless I um, verified, you know, through this link. Now that I think about it in hindsight, yes, it was really stupid, but actually they're so sophisticated they know exactly how to do it. And I had just put up a post for Breast Cancer Ireland, which didn't have a hashtag SP or hashtag ad because it wasn't because I don't get paid. I'm a volunteer with any of the charities that I work with. Um, but I thought, oh God, maybe I have because it was their post and now I'm doing reposting. And so that's why I clicked the link. So yeah, I mean, it was really distressing, Carl. It was awful because I'd, I'd spent six years building up my channels and um, as I say, connecting with my, my followers. And then suddenly, like these people were ringing me and I didn't I didn't engage them at all but they were sending me texts and phoning so when the phone number would come up I'd know it's a foreign number to ignore it um, and it started straight away like as soon as I clicked within five minutes my phone rang and Peter went and said to him what I'd done and he was like oh dear, oh no and I saw the panic in his face and I saw the top line so I wasn't opening their, their WhatsApp messages or their text messages but you know the way you see the top line when it pops up on your screen of course. so I knew what, who they were Firstly, they were asking for a €1,000. I said no. I, well, I didn't say no. I said nothing. I just ignored. And um, they were phoning me all through the night, by I had my phone in silent. Woke up the next morning, had about 20 messages from them. Then they sold my account onto somebody else. So it started in Turkey, then it went somewhere else. They sold it on. And then those people were looking for 5000 And then they sold it on again. And the next one would probably would have been 10000 But at that stage, um, I had managed to get in touch with a cyber expert called Paul C. Dwyer, who told me to report it to the Gardaí, who I did, and they were really, really helpful, the Gardaí. And then um, I bombarded Facebook, but it was an extremely stressful few days and really scary and uncomfortable. They infected my phone, they infected my iPad. I had to get rid of both. Um, I had to check, get my girls' phones checked and um, iPads checked. All of that our laptops because when they get in, like they just infect absolutely everything. So it was just terrific.
1: Of course, this week we are celebrating International Women's Day on the programme. What does this day mean to you?
0: Oh my goodness, women. I just adore women. And I, I think we're the most incredible creatures. Um, we do so much and we always put other people first. I love women supporting women. I would love to see women supporting women even more. And I, yeah, I just... It, it's a day that's really, really important to me. We need to, to be very strong um, and stand up and and demand to uh, be treated equally because none of us are equal until all of us are equal. Don't get me wrong, Carl, I adore the men in my life and I've got incredible men in my life. And the men in my life are probably biggest, bigger feminists than I am even. <laughs> um, but it's, it's it's something that we need to do ourselves. You know, I often say, Irish women in particular will say, "Oh, don't worry about me. Shall I be grand? You know, we 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 can't be okay with grand. You know, I say to to my girls, you know, I don't peek at grand. I peek at fantastic. You know, and um, and we need to, to 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 just demand the the same um rights and equality. We don't want anything more. I don't want anything more than you, Carl." I, you know, I just want my my daughters to be doing a, a job in a career that they love, where they're being paid the exact same amount as their male counterpart, no more, and certainly no less. You know, and and that's not much to ask. Um, and when you see, you know, stories like the the documentary I I saw recently, Vicky Vicky Feely's story, um, and I mean that is just I can't even put into words, and I know you'll agree with me how horrific that situation is. Um, those kind of things have to stop, you know. And the only way, the best way to empower ourselves is take control, you know, um, can take control of our own health. That's empowering. Um, and, and then we'll, we'll have a better life, but we'll be better for everybody, you know, um, and our country will be a better place. So, yeah, International Women's Day is hugely important to me and that's why I'm so happy that, that you're recognising it today and very, very privileged to be on and being allowed to, to talk about it and how much it means to me.
1: And Lorraine, just on the topic of women's health, what needs to be um, done to improve that, in your opinion?
0: It's talking, it's communicating, it's um, not being afraid to... Uh, the word menopause was seen as, you know, a dirty word and, and, you know, a dirty little secret, and for years women were embarrassed about it and and um, and... If, if if that's the way you're approaching it, then nothing's going to get done. So communication is huge. Knowledge is key and support. So, you know, support each other, talk and, and educate ourselves on the issues. And don't be afraid to stand up, you know. Just because you're a feminist doesn't mean that you hate men. You know, on the contrary, as I said earlier, no one is equal until all of us are equal. And we need to educate our sons as well as our daughters, you know, and I love the work that women are doing, like Nolene Blackwell, who's head of the Rape Crisis Centre on the whole consent issue. You know, it's hugely important. And um, I don't want my daughters, you know, having to be afraid to go out at night time. You know, literally after five o'clock in the winter time. Um, what are they afraid of? They're not going out into the jungle in Kenya. They're going out into, you know, a, a suburb of South County Dublin at five o'clock down to the shops. And they're not afraid of wild animals. They shouldn't be afraid of the opposite sex. It's just so weird that that has become our narrative, that that, that was actually something that we accepted. You know, we, we didn't accept it because it was okay. We just accepted it because it was a thing. That's the way it is. Well, that's just not good enough. You know, So we need to educate um, our, our boys and our girls.
1: The theme for this year's International Women's Day is Break the Bias. Over the course of Mm -hmm. your career, did you encounter much gender-based bias? And if so, how did you deal with it?
0: Yes, I did. When I did come across it, I was afraid to air my views because most of the time, my bosses were males and they may not have been the ones that were causing the problem. But I was afraid that if I gave out about anybody of, of the opposite sex, that, you know... My job would be on the line, and that's just the truth of it, you know. Again, to do with with salaries, I was that was one thing that that I didn't face, and I was very lucky in that way. But that's because I had a fantastic lawyer who negotiated my contract and salary when I started in TV three, you know, in the first days of TV three. So, yeah, it's just it's something that that is still very prevalent, and with a long way to go. It wasn't really until my forties that I got the confidence to the confidence in myself to believe in myself and realise that actually I'm I'm actually really good at what I do and that's why I am where I am you know this whole imposter syndrome is a desperate thing as well and, and I know that women suffer from that a lot more than men so yeah there's there's certainly still a lot of it around but uh, I think because of of social media and that's the good side people aren't getting away with the same things as they used to
1: What is next for Lorraine Keane the broadcaster and businesswoman? <laughs>
0: Oh, I don't know. Lots more adventures, hopefully, Carl. Um, try, try loads of new things. I've never been one to be afraid of taking risks. My fear is being regretful for not trying. That would be my biggest fear. And even though, because I'm in the public eye, if I have a failure, it tends to be a public one. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm ready to take that. You know, I always say, don't sweat the small stuff. And honestly... Once nobody tells me there's any problem with my babies, you know, healthy babies are all that matters. I'd like to hold on to the husband as well Um, and my family are safe, (laughs) happy and healthy, then really, you know, bring it on.
1: Well, if you've just tuned in, that was broadcaster and businesswoman Lorraine Keane. And I'd like to thank Lorraine for taking us on a very interesting journey through her successful career. And she certainly has the right attitude to life.